Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, crappy quiz and a slight tangent. World Cup B is growing on me. (laughs) (laughs) As a name. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now, so much going on in the world of rugby. We've had Heineken Champions Cup round of 16 just gone to be promptly followed by quarterfinals this weekend coming, including the Aviva Stadium on Good Friday evening. Sharks 50, Munster 35 in Durban and Leinster beat Ulster in Dublin. 30 points to 15. Allied to that, there is women's Six Nations very much ongoing. Ireland were hammered by France. It was a 50-point deficit at Musgrave Park. Ireland are away to Italy in round three. There is a rest week and some respite upcoming and then Italy in round three. Very happy to say, Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times here in studio. Hey, Jerry. How you doing, Joe? And Fiona Hayes, Grand Slam winner with us as well. Good evening. Hey, Joe. How, Jerry? How are you? Hi, Fiona. Fiona, I've made you talk enough about the Women's Six Nations. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. We will come back to it, though, in just a few moments. But let's start with the Heineken Champions Cup. So, Jerry, we had uh, Durban and Dublin. Contrasting weather conditions. Uh, the swimming pool for the kids in Durban, I think the highlight of the weekend for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and suggestions that they should do the same in Thomond Park and yeah. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, very contrasting games, very contrasting conditions. I think uh, it showed that the Sharks are very dangerous animals in their, in their own turf in hot weather and high humidity and it showed that Leinster are very much an all-court, all-weather team in the way they won. Well, let's stick with Durban then. We'll go chronologically. I mean, it was, it did have the experience, Fiona, of, of really, you know, focusing attention on the game as, as it neared and you start going, ooh, my pimpy, ooh, am, ooh, cock, ooh, etzebeth, ooh, Khaleesi <laughs> and then allied to home advantage and the weather conditions and, and any other numerous things you care to mention and it suddenly looked like a very difficult uh, task. Munster had a great start if people didn't see the mm. game. Shane Daly scored a try. They, they manoeuvred around the blitz defence and it was a, a brilliant start. I would say they probably felt very pleased to be within three points of the Sharks by half time. And then the Sharks scored four tries in 18 minutes, two mall tries early in the second half, running rugby as well. And I would say the 50 35 scoreline in the end probably flattered Munster. Yeah, definitely. I suppose it was that uh, it was that period of those tries, and I think it was five tries as well in in twenty five minutes. Joe, um, they absolutely blitzed them um, physically in the second half. Um, even when I watch back the game, looking at Munster coming out, they just they just look tired and they look drained. You can blame the conditions, but they look like guys that had played like just had finished the eighty minutes. I thought after the second half, they were they were blown off the park. Um, uh, Sharks Mall really came tight. I think they gained 19 meters throughout the game with that mall. Munster were just giving over penalties at mall time, turnovers. Munster had 19 turnovers in the whole game. It it was almost like it started so well, um, but it just the physicality. And I know there's a lot of talk about it, um, you know, in the media. And you're looking at Crowley, and you're, I was trying to see what type of game Crowley had, but it's it's very hard to judge that when you can't get gain line and Munster just couldn't against get, get it against these Sharks especially in the pack they did out wide sometimes but definitely not go forward ball in the pack I think between Coombs and O'Mahony I think they, they carried for four metres all game and Jared, the breakdown in other areas whoa carnage yeah. carnage 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 it's 
at times it was almost like they got there too soon and then just weren't prepared for the counter ruck like the, the Sharks had huge joy at a counter ruck and Wayne Barnes allowed very much a free and open contest to the breakdown and it suited the Sharks and uh, their accuracy their urgency around the breakdown was surprising as well as their lack of physicality because I'm sure they would be very disappointed by that, that they were blitzed in the breakdown it was a huge area of concern for them I think that um I gave them very little hope simply because you so you do not want to be going to South Africa with a questionable scrum and a questionable front row. You just don't. And I felt that Munster would have to pay for losing John Ryan. I mean, to lose him once was unfortunate, but to lose him twice looks like carelessness. And the, you, th- you look at James Cronin playing for Leicester as well. They're unlucky yeah. that Ty Byrne wasn't there, but I always had big issues about Munster's chance in that game because of their scrum. I didn't see the, the breakdown getting obliterated. And I didn't see their defence being so porous. It's quite extraordinary that... In, that up until half-time against the Scarlets, they the second-best defence of the URC, and in the pool stage of the Heineken Champions Cup, they conceded the least number of tries, along with Leinster, only five. And the last two and a half games, in 200 minutes of rugby, they've conceded 17 tries and 123 points. It's just been... Like, why does this happen? I'm struggling to put my finger on it. I mean, it was alarming to see Mapimpi step through the two locks for that first try. That, oh, if it's going to be like that, this is going to be this is going to be very, very long afternoon. Then it started to get ugly in the second half. They're still scoring some good tries. Some of their running rugby, some of their variations off line out. I actually thought Jack Crowley did very well. Calvin Nash continues to play brilliantly in losing causes, which is a sign of a really good player. He's really progressed this season. But they were just completely outpowered up front and no doubt the conditions had a part to play like that. It's just very unmunster like to see them bullied like that physically in Europe, in the, sorry, in the Champions Cup. Yes. Um, breakdown, uh, Jerry said, Fiona, we didn't quite see coming. I think Irish sides in the post-Joe Schmidt area era pride themselves almost on, on, on a certain level of IQ at the breakdown. So I'd love your thoughts on what happened there. And also the scrum issue we did see coming. This has been an area of concern for Munster for far too long now, really. Yeah, and it's it's just struggling to to even lock down the scrum, which is unusual. You know, you've Kilcoyne in there, um, who who you'd expect a little bit more from. I mean, he's up at Irish camp. It's just it's just that tight head side. It seems to be, and you're bang on the money about John Ryan. It was only when he came back to Munster, I think everyone realised his absolute worth and exactly what he can do. And we're watching him over with the Chiefs, and the same as Cronin. I'm looking at him with with Leicester, and he's starting week in week out with Dane Cole. And, and they're causing damage as well. So it, it's such a shame that these guys have gone. You you understand that they want to blend in and sell Salanoa, and you know you've Witcherly coming through as well. But they don't seem to be up for those absolutely ma- massive physical packs, and they're getting blitzed at scrum time. And Joe, I, I think the breakdown was absolutely shocking. Like Jerry said, it it was almost like the game plan is to obviously move the ball quickly. Um, so when you're working on the breakdown, you're, you you send one guy, two guys in maybe their ceiling and it's the ball was supposed to go but they were under such pressure it was almost like their decision making around that area whether to to counter rock or go past the ball it, it went out the window and they were focusing on quick rugby they, when they couldn't get those quick rocks I thought the Sharks judgment in absolutely blitz in those rocks were brilliant and and Munster seemed shell-shocked in that area So Jerry, you would have to say if we if we focus in the scrum for a moment I'm sure uh Graham Rowntree, well, I don't know what he says publicly, actually, about the loss of uh, the, the players we mentioned there, but certainly privately. Yeah. Uh, you know, banging, I'm sure, his head against a wall. Uh, that one is not on, on, on the uh, shoulders of a new coaching ticket. No, that is on the Munster hierarchy. They have to arm the, the team uh, with a scrum and a front row in particular who can 
uh, take them where they want to go. And and that again, this isn't oh, this is the first season. This has been an issue for Munster. No, it's not. They let John Ryan go once, like I said, and then he came back only because Was went out of existence, and he studied the scrum. <clears throat> and I have it in pretty good authority that he was not given a very satisfactory offer to stay. Yes. And his agent then went and put out feeders, and you know, to get outbid by a Super Rugby team is very unusual. And if they'd made a proper offer, given his young family, I'm sure he would have stayed. So that's on them, as is letting James Cronin go. They've been unlucky with signings, no doubt about it, in the, the R.G. Snyman and Malachi Fekato. They've spent big money in those signings, but their whole signings and re-signings, just, they've left a lot of gaps there. When you compare and contrast with Ulster, Marty Moore gets injured. They bring in Jeff Tamaga Allen, once capped All Black, who's now redeclared for Samoa. They get Rory Sutherland in a short-term contract. They're bringing in Stephen Kitchoff next season. Their policies are in, with regard to the front row are just light years ahead of Munster yes. at the moment. It's um, like, let's not mess around with it. It's yeah, too important. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. It just, it's just a complete contrast in the, in the 2K studies. And it's, it's almost impossible if you're going down to South Africa in a knockout match if your scrum's in big trouble. Yes. And am I right with Ryan that it was in the Babas where fellow teammates looked at him and said, hang on, mm. you're bloody good. Yeah, yeah. If you're not being valued at home, we'll take yes, you. Yes, exactly. Probably the best tight head on their on their books for the last decade, <laughs> mm. um, and he was let go not once but twice. Are tight heads not supposed to earn the big books? I mean, why? Would well, yeah, exactly. And it's a much more difficult position to scrummage than it is loose head. Mm. I was reading Andrew Porter saying this recently, and mm. Peter Claus extended his career by going over from tight head to loose head. It's just an it, you're not getting the weight of maybe two, three, or more players coming at you at scrum time it's just a, a much easier position to scrummage in loose head than it is tight head you know, tight heads are worth their weight in gold and uh, Munster appear not to have appreciated their one man and I always thought like I said earlier that this would come back to, to bite them Yes On the defensive point Fiona Jerry mentioned 40 points conceded against Scarlets I think um, when Atome and Glasgow were 31 nil up it, it struck everybody as concerning but I suppose people thought well okay let's Let's not panic. And now on the evidence of Saturday, there's some issue with the defence. What was going wrong for them? Yeah, obviously, like we know how quick I thought Kerwin Bosch was brilliant. And, you know, he'd, he he just ran the show from 10. I thought he was really good to watch. And when the Sharks go wide, you know, you can attack. But what, what's been happening in the Scarlets and especially in this game as well that I saw is the individual missed tackles. Right. Um, you look at Leinster at the weekend in the in the whole game, they'd one missed tackle. You know, I think it was Ryan Baird. Monster individuals for some reason in the last couple of games they've been conceding yards right down the middle and if you're not chopping low and especially in, in modern day rugby there's always guys looking to offload it's such a quick game they're getting their hands free and I think Munster in particular have been very slow so when there's been line breaks or when guys have burst through that ca- contact I think Munster to get back and defend have been very slow and I think they're leaking tries in that area in setting up their defense, their defensive system off these line breaks. And to what extent do we put forward the heat as a mitigating circumstance? I think you'd have to say it was a big factor. They look bunched as Andy Good highlighted mm-hmm. on BT after the game. Even coming out to start of the second half yeah. they looked absolutely yeah. bunched and it clearly got them um, the heat and the humidity up around 80% or something. That's, mm. I mean, it just well, it wasn't high veld as well. Jeepers, would have been carnage. So you got to be fair on that front. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think like, they, <clears throat> they ran up big scores against both Harlequins and Bordeaux Begla in the pool stages at home as well. I'd say they'd run up big scores in Durban against most teams that go there. Okay. 
Uh, Munster now have a fight in their hands to retain Champions sure do. Cup status next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us the general lay of the land. Well, basically, they go into this, the last two rounds. They'll be grateful for the week's respite after that. I think somebody in commentary is suggesting they stay in South Africa for a month. I think that's the last thing they need. They'll come home for a week and reset and go back out. And they play the Stormers away, who are in second place and with Ulster breeding down the neck. So Stormers will look at that as a must win because that would give them a home quarter and a home semi. And then they've got the Sharks away again. And remind, never mind all the scars from last weekend, the Sharks currently sit eighth. And they could be going, they, given that they've got a Bennett on at home between now and then, they could well be breathing down neck, Munster's necks. As Mike Connors, if they beat Cardiff, which is a huge game, before they face Glasgow, which would be tricky. And the Bulls finish off with home games against Zebra and a Leinster side that might well be somewhere short of full strength. So basically what I'm saying is they're, they're on 48 points, Munster, Connors 44, Bulls 43, Sharks 41. If they don't pick up something in those two matches, it's mm-hmm. conceivable that they will finish eighth. And that's a double whammy because eighth won't get you into next season's Champions Cup because it's not a merit-based qualification procedure and the leading Welsh side will get that eighth spot. So eighth won't get you to. It'll get you into the playoffs, but of course it'll get them in a way quarter-final against the number one seeds who are Leinster, which seems almost borderline yes. cruel, doesn't it? We know how that, that came goes. To that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's they've a lot to play for now in these last two games and they've... It's just curious that they've hit their worst spell of form since the teething problems at the start of the season. Because yeah. remember, until they went into this Glasgow game, they'd won 10 out of 13. And yes. the three defeats were one score defeats against Toulouse twice and Leinster by a point. So, like, it just was just hard to see this coming. Is it a reality, a reality check, though, Fiona? Were we, uh, like, like, how much were you reading into their, their upturn? Look, I, I don't think it's a reality check. I think they've they haven't played well in particular in the pack in the le- in the last two games. Let's be honest. Um, you know, we've talked about like the Jerry said as well, they're scoring some really good tries. Mm. Um obviously they're not gonna say they've neglected certain areas of the game to focus on their attack from set piece has been quite good. Um, you know, they've fixed uh, some of the things in uh, I was gonna say in mall defense at times, but then we saw at the weekend they struggled under that. So look, I think they just need to maybe take a step back. And, and go back to, you know, focusing on these two South African teams. We know what they can bring. The Sharks in particular, they know now that they, they, hopefully you'd be looking at that. They'd be resting a few. They're big names you don't know. Probably not. But who knows how they get on against Toulouse. But I think that they need to go back to basics around that area. The attack, there was a lot of pressure for people to see how it's been come on and how it's moved on. And we've seen that. But now they've got to get, especially that back row kick in. I thought Harden, it was excellent again from a Munster perspective. I I thought he got around the place. Mm -hmm. But we need to be getting more yards and the carries. And uh, as Jerry said, like they're South African born, but on the day, and they're both exceptional players on the day, the two players didn't get us any go forward ball. So they physically need to be more dominant, I think, around that area. And uh, like you're, you're going to have to go into these two games and I suppose you're looking at a very short-term fix of that scrum is to get the ball in, get the ball out on your own scrum. You don't want to be doing that because that takes away from the attack, from set-piece, but they need to be winning their own scrum and they need to be they stop giving away the scrum penalties mm. against uh, these two South African teams. So that area is going to be huge as well and has to be a short-term fix. Hindsight is twenty twenty vision, and you could say the second row selection it was a tough first game, first start for RG Snyman and so 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 long to bring him back for that game. Particularly, was he ready for it? Finian Richley did quite well when he came on. Now, admittedly, they'd lost Tyke Byrne, which was very unfortunate. Um, yeah. The other one I'd question, and I'd, I'd question it on, on Friday when I saw the teams was 
I mean, you need as much physicality as you can against a, against a, a South African side laden with Springboks. And I thought that was much more game for Conor Murray than it was for Craig Casey. I felt sorry for Craig, Craig Casey and what he was having to deal with. He, he wasn't just having to excavate for ball. He was dealing with a few human tornadoes coming at him as well. But I just think maybe their plan was to try and build up a lead in the first half and then have Conor Murray to come on to try and close out the game. But it's certainly, in hindsight, you could question those two selections. But elsewhere, you couldn't. Like, that's pretty much the hand, Graham yes. Rantree and yeah. um, Dennis Leamy and Mike Prendergast have been dealt the front row nobody had any you couldn't qualm, any qualms with that back row not really Jack Crowley I think justified his selection he looks very composed he's got footwork he's got a very good passing game he kicked well they're the first choice midfielders pretty much um, and certainly you know Shane Daly and Calvin Nash particularly deserve their spots and Mike Haley's been their go-to fullback so you couldn't say that there were bundles of options here yeah it's all very chastening. Um, also, the thing about the Sharks in the last game is they might go into that just behind Munster knowing they need a win themselves okay. to qualify for both the playoffs and the Heineken Champions Cup next season in Sia Khaleesi's last potential URC game at home. So I wouldn't think they will be okay. taking it too lightly. In the world of football, we could put an exact figure on uh, what uh, losing Champions League football would entail. Yeah. If Munster were to go into next season without the Champions Cup... <laughs> Because their financial situation, they're uh, oh, they're losing money. They're not they're, dripping no, with cash. They're no, losing money. They're losing okay. money. They're okay. losing money, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. They're losing money, and and you'd have to even question now what you know the the, the buy location is. You know, seems to have alienated a bit of Cork support. Maybe the, there should mm. be more European games moved to Parky Keith. There's, we all know how brilliantly the Limerick hurling team is doing, and it's attracting a new, younger fan base and the rugby team. It's um it's worrying times, and I know there's a theory out there that Munster might be better off going into the Challenge Cup to end what now looks like going to be 12 trophy years. But the whole stigma being attached to being in the Challenge Cup as opposed to the Champions Cup for the first time ever would be, I think, a a very damaging blow to the whole prestige of the Munster brand and what they're synonymous with in this competition. Um, I don't think it would be good for them at all. And I think it would probably come pass in the terms of the gate receipts so they would get our Challenge Cup matches as well would be damaging yeah. I'd suggest yeah, yeah Fiona you're a hardcore fan you'd be there either way but it's a grim thought Oh definitely a grim thought and even in the last couple of years Joe I've I've noticed myself going up to Toman Park the crowds aren't the same going up there Um like there's still a buzz and you have the hardcore fans but I think Jerry's hit the money on the head as well the, the Cork you know I, I live in Cork and it's never a busy road coming back up to Toman Park when I'm driving up to game day to try and get there myself so there there has been and they'll have to have a look at that and, and no Heineken Cup rugby would be huge for Munster and West Cork based players in the squad like their family and friends and supporters whatever that's about a three and a half hour drive to Toman Park isn't it like you know, it's a big ask. And this is worrying Joe in a lot of respects because while it is brilliant for Leinster rugby at the moment that they're, again, they're the only ones carrying the flag in Europe and they're top seeds in both competitions and unbeaten in 21 games and bulk, bulk, bulk suppliers to a brilliant Irish team. In the long run, we need a strong Munster. You know what I mean? We just need, it's, good, it's better for Irish rugby that Munster are strong. Absolutely. Uh, to segue into Leinster Ulster, just to give you the big picture, if the Sharks uh, caught your eye and you enjoyed watching them at the weekend, they play Toulouse on Saturday. That's quite Ooh, an intriguing yes. game, isn't it? Because mm. actually, Graeme Rentree, in advance of the Sharks game, uh, likened the Sharks to Toulouse. Mm-hmm. So that could be fun Saturday, three o'clock. And if Toulouse win and if Leinster beat Leicester at the Aviva, then it will be a Toulouse-Leinster semi-final at the Aviva again. A repeat of last year. So same quarter-final as last year, potentially the same semi-final and potentially also the same final, La Rochelle. (laughs) Yes, La Rochelle, if you're on uh, Rog Watch, as I know half the country are, (laughs) La Rochelle plays Saracens on Sunday. 
Cracking game. Uh, and I'm stealing, I'm, I'm stealing shamelessly from your piece, by the way, just to mention all eight of the round of 16 matches at the weekend went with seedings, form, home advantage. So it means we've a heavyweight quarterfinal lineup, six former winners, each of the last five winners. It's like a FA Cup early stages, no shocks. You get the payoff yeah. later on. So this tournament might, <laughs> to the relief of the organisers, might kind of blow up now. Six former winners with 16 Heineken Champions Cups trof- trophies between them. Five-time winners, four-time winners, two-time winners, and two South African sides to add some new, new flavours. Sell out at the Aviva side, it needs it. It's been a very average European season, really. It just hasn't caught the imagination. I thought they were pretty decent ties and I'm, I'm kind of revising my view on whether they're, it's better to have them two-legged or one-legged. I think one-legged is better. That's okay. a fair bit of jeopardy. Okay. I mean, La Rochelle-Gloucester seems to be in a titanic match. Yeah. Exeter, Montpellier I watched was a titanic match. Ospreys really put it up to Saracens. Um, I enjoyed the Leinster-Ulster game. I don't, I don't know if TV can possibly get across how bad the rain was, mm. but I thought Leinster adapted conditions brilliantly. I thought Ulster were extraordinarily defiant his mm. unrelenting 80 minutes of pressure and were like a dog with a bone the way they stuck in the game and came back from going two scores down twice with fine tries of their own particularly the first one was arguably the try of the match mm. um, and I think there was more there was plenty there was, there was honour in their exit put it that way Okay, okay. Uh, Leinster 30 Ulster 15 uh, Fiona and that was the scoreline on the error mark as well so they, they saw it the last 20 minutes double scores at half time in, interestingly, it was Leinster 16, Ulster 8. It was one try apiece, but Leinster took their points and, and, and had territory and, and possession advantage. And you kind of felt we're always going to win this game, I suppose. That would be the general sense. Yeah, they, they just look like they're in cruise control, don't they? Um, you know, you talk about players missing. You, you thought Doris missing might kind of interfere with things. But then you had, I know Conan got mad in the match, but what a performance Ryan Baird put in. He yeah. was unbelievable. They just have someone to walk in and fill the gap all over the park. And I, I think in the end, I think it was like, I have to say, watching Ulster, I enjoyed their rugby. They were so dogged at times. And, you know, they had, I think they had 215 metres all game they really went at they went at uh, Leinster and they just um, they used Lowry well they used their guys out wide well but Leinster completely just look in cruise control when things go against them they have the confidence to just lift it and even though they were ahead for the whole game I, I felt like we saw it from the draw the week before you, you thought they're down and out but they just have ability to to be in cruise control and come out in these matches on top and they were they were excellent in how they did it but I have to say I loved watching an Ulster attack I thought they were brilliant and I thought they were excellent at the breakdown as well they went after Leinster didn't get a change all the time but I thought they were unlucky on a few calls to, to not get a couple of penalties especially near the end I thought James Hume was particularly unlucky to get that yellow card as well if you know, a lot of referees would have given that as a as a legit steal he just was in a bad mood with Ulster at that point and James Hume just happened to go for a steal at the wrong moment of the game and got a yellow but it was a very tough call on him um, Rob Herring 24 tackles hats off son like that was a mighty effort mm. um, and uh, but I think as well we've got to mention as well Dan Sheen his darts are just ridiculous and what an all action performance he gives on both sides of the ball he's just a phenomenal athlete and James Ryan must be playing the best rugby of his life this has to be his best season mm. even better than his breakout 2017-18 season his line out work has gone to another level I mean that was a vital steal he made Ulster only got Ulster it, it, games like that come down in large measure to how many times you get into the opposition 22 with line out malls and how many times you convert them into scores they only got into the um, Leinster 22 three times one was a malfunction one was a try and one was that James Ryan steal plus his carrying beyond contact now has gone to another level his work rate 
Savage. Yeah. Just to give, when you've got players like Sheen and Ryan and Conan and and Brian Baird, all, any one of whom could have been man of the match, you're, it's hardly a surprise, really. It's basically the first choice Irish back that just won a Grand Slam against yeah. a second, not even a second choice. I mean, that's Irish the thing. Back. They're even doing the get in a circle and do the breathing thing, just to copper fasten <laughs> that sense that they're Ireland, basically. And and Tyg Furlong is a great man to push someone over a try line. Yes, he is. Yes. Porter a big slap in the ass and how, said afterwards, you owe me, pal. How do you possibly stop Andrew Porter one metre from with the Tyke line when he goes that low to the ground with Tyg Furlong acting you behind don't. him? You don't, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's a tall order. Jacob Stockdale had a bit of a life about him yes, as well. Yes, he did, was, didn't he? It's funny, I had a yeah. moment on commentary yeah. where um, it was just Jacob Stockdale, 26 now, of course, and I thought, God, the boy wonder is, you know, the, the clock is ticking and 2018 is increasingly in the distant past. So, I don't know. Um, it's now or never if he's going to recapture something. But he did have a bit of life about him. I think he, he was 27 yesterday as well, Joe. I think oh, it was his birthday again. yesterday. I think he turned 27. Older again. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's your sense of him, uh, Fiona? Because obviously there was a lot there to begin with. Oh, yeah, he was good. He was electric. Um, I thought, you know, he's a guy that's trying to push for this World Cup squad. I was saying to you uh, uh, when we were chatting about Balakoon, you know, he, he came across very confident. He was he was eyeing up uh, James Lowe's spot. He said going going forward to this World Cup, he thinks he's a bit faster than Lowe in his article, in his interview, he said, but before pregame. But look, I thought um, I thought he's good. Um, I thought he's a player that you, you've almost forgotten about because Ireland have been able to Stockdale, you know, we, we know what he was like and he was electric for us but he he almost got the injury he died down he couldn't push his way back into to Ireland and therefore you don't I think p- people don't see him as much you know because he's not on that squad he's not being called into but I thought he'd his footwork he was a bit electric he was feisty I think he he ran about 40 metres to get him involved in a fracas at one stage as well so he just looked like he he's back enjoying the game and he, he seemed to have worked a lot I think on, on he looks a bit faster than I saw him obviously earlier on in the season and he's enjoyable to watch as well he he's a guy that you you know you just don't know what he's going to going to do and defensively we've definitely seen him improve over the years there's very little rugby left now between now and when the 45 man mm. 50 man World Cup squad is first brought together and then there's only a few warm up games three warm up games by which stage you'd imagine the coaches have a fairly good idea of what squad they're going to bring and now with Leinster having you know potentially another six knockout games at the Aviva potentially and that they're not there they hadn't you know anything could happen starting next Friday but you know that's that's at least three more than the others and probably even more than Munster going to have um, or Ulster so a rising tide lifts all boats so you'd have to think that Jordan Larmer Jimmy O'Brien yes. Jamie Osborne Kieran Froy are probably ahead of their counterparts like Stockdale like Hume and others so like Hume I thought it was a brilliant try give hats off to uh, like Jacob Stockdale to catch two of your own bombs yeah. the first one in the, and Billy Burns' cross kick was just perfect for Hume albeit Leinster will no doubt think there was a malfunction in their backfield for that to happen yes. um, so but it at least Ulster now might get into a, you know a home quarter final and maybe then a semi final, but the problem for the Munster players who are candidates to get into the World Cup is what 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 frontline games are no. they going to get between now and the mm. end of the season? Andy Farrell's not driving down to watch those games with the same uh, <laughs> uh, excitement as mm. uh, nipping over to the Aviva to watch Leinster again. Um, so I take your point that Ulster were, were did not wilt and, and, and threw a few shots and certainly weren't overwhelmed. But I suppose uh, watching from the comfort of the couch yep. and, and not appreciating uh, the conditions, I had a slightly uh, slumped sense that there was one inevitable conclusion here. And Dan McFarland afterwards, who's now lost 11 and 14 against Leinster, 
he kind of summed up my sense of the situation as well. He said, it is what it is. I can't change the demographics. They've just got way more rugby players, way more earning potential in terms of money as well. And that, that just kind of captures the general situation. Ulster did fine. Leinster are just different stratosphere at the moment. Yep, they are. And uh, it kind of like, they probably always should have been, given their socioeconomic advantages coming from a capital city club. Um, you know, generating 50,000 sellouts mm. as a as bonus fixtures on a fairly regular basis. They're a magnificent machine. Um, they're losing Mick Dawson, but one imagine, and they're losing Stuart Lancaster, and they're losing Johnny Sexton, but you'd imagine they're in a good position to carry on doing what they're doing because they have become such a machine. The conveyor belt of talent is extraordinary. Yeah. Is there Has there ever been a better Irish front row? Dan Andrew Porter, Dan Sheen, and Tyke Furlan. I can't think of one. You'd have to name it. I, yeah, I can't think some of people tried. I mean, I did, but, but yet they owed all originally to Munster, the success of the Munster clubs and the success of Munster in the early noughties and beat them in those six in the semi final and getting two Heineken Cups themselves. That drove Leinster to be better and they've since now overtaken everybody and pulled clear. I remember Gareth Fitzgerald telling me this t- 10 years ago. It's almost a miracle that Munster were able to outperform mm. <laughs> Leinster for a few years given the inherent yes. socioeconomic advantage. It's just a fact of life. Was Because uh, I asked you this off but just for the benefit of the listeners obviously yeah. I, I couldn't tell when I read the quotes was McFarland fuming was he emotional was he a bit more resigned no it was just very matter of fact Okay, he, well, there was very little emotion at all there wasn't even an angry or a slight hint of anger it's or unfair. frustration yeah. no it was yeah. look this is what it is okay yeah, I know what you mean because headlines can distort the flavour of a of a quote. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, because I saw the I can't change the demographics. <laughs> so if I read it in an angry voice, yes. it reads that way. <laughs> it wasn't. It yeah. Wasn't. Okay. Uh, so Leicester on Friday at the Aviva. Good Friday, Fiona. We had a fifty-one thousand seven hundred sellout on Saturday. Uh, the word is they'll restrict the capacity. They're going to close the upper tiers for Friday. They reckon twenty-seven thousand would be a good innings with five days to sell this game. So Leicester uh, coming to town again you'd very comfortably make Leinster extremely hot favourites. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I watched that uh, second half of the Leicester game. It's all I caught. And, you know, while they were good and they came out with the win in the end, um, I think if you're if you're Leinster looking at them, they wouldn't, they didn't do anything electric or, or, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you wouldn't be worried about them. Obviously, it's, it's a huge game for them and they're coming over and, you know, they're, they're Leicester play a similar type of rugby all the time. We know we talked about James Cronin as well and Dane Coles. Like they have a good, solid set piece. Um, you know, they're they're nine ten have have worked together for a while, so they they definitely have the players. But I I don't think I think even this week's challenge for Leinster against Ulster would have been a, a far greater kind of physical battle as well. I I think Leinster will 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 win it well at home on Friday night. Yeah, just a quick word before clock really comes against us. Jerry mm-hmm. Connacht also out of Europe they were beaten 41 mm. 19 by Benetton mm. they were 12 nil up after 20 yeah. minutes yeah. and uh, uh, frustration I, w- I would sum up the mood of the comments from Andy Friend after that game we had flagged this as almost use Connacht could win a bit of silverware mm. here yeah. you know they'll, they'll yeah. fancy this they had, yeah. a, they had a bad performance Jerry in, in January so they didn't have a home tie get, and away to Newcastle they feel it weak inside it's a tough place to go Newcastle I've watched a few the highlights yeah. in Premiership Rugby it's on a Friday night I think it was too it's just not a mm. it's a tough place to go it's not a very nice pitch and yeah but that cost them a home quarter final and meant they had to go to Treviso and Benetton's home form this season is excellent Benetton are a good mm. team like yeah. they got about eight of the Italian Six Nations side starting Six Nations side they're, they're very strong and some good imports as well from Wasps and stuff and yeah. they'll probably fancy their crack of getting a bit of trophy but still in all while that's a huge disappointment for Connacht they've got a, a game against Cardiff in two weeks time at home 
that is absolutely enormous. I mean, they're currently sixth in the table. Okay. If they win that, they've every chance of making it into the Champions Cup next year as well as the playoffs. When you look what's above them, the other three Irish provinces, which are all better resourced and bigger, yeah. um, and, you know, a Glasgow side that's effectively Scotland in disguise, <laughs> um, and um, a couple of... I mean, they're actually ahead at the moment of three of the South African side, which is remarkable. Mm. I mean, franchise. When you think of what Connor are up against in that league, yeah. that would be a phenomenal achievement. Yeah. You didn't catch that game, Fiona, with everything, did you? I did. I, I, I watched it back. I thought... Uh, you you need, listen, about you. you need to eat. You need to go for walks, <laughs> fresh air. No, I really, I actually enjoyed watching Bennett and I, uh, you know, obviously you're, uh, you don't want Connacht to lose, but Jacob Amaga was absolutely outstanding, like, and himself and Watson absolutely, and Padovani were excellent, you know, he, okay. they just linked up, he's passing out wide, was brilliant. Um, Connacht obviously started well, Joe, but they absolutely faded and we saw the same, you know, defensively, I thought they were quite poor, they were very narrow, and as I said, Omega had a great game, but he was taking out three, four defenders with one pass for some some of those tries so they'll definitely have to go and have a look about, a back at that but Benetton I have to say played some absolutely beautiful rugby even a roots uh, you had your your second row doing a, a dance out in the sideline footwork and everything they've come on leaps and bounds this year Okay Fiona Hayes Jerry Thornley staying with us we'll turn to the Women's Six Nations in just a moment Rugby and Off the Ball is with thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now you're welcome back Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times here in studio Fiona Hayes Grand Slam winner is with us on the line we'll turn to the Six Nations Ireland were beaten by 50 points at Musgrave Park 53 to 3 there's a gap week now and then Ireland will be in Parma for what will be a really decisive game. Uh, you suspect if they could get a result there, it would just improve the mood massively because at the moment, Fiona, mood is not good. No, mood isn't good. And, you know, like they were dominated, I suppose, by a, a France team. And and it, it's not a France team hurting for a loss. That, from a loss, that's how good France are. They were hurting from a bad performance in which they still won the game. So, look... Um, it's it's tough for this team. They're trying to. They've had a couple of injuries. They're obviously trying to to find a way. They're they've got like very young players, and you're absolutely spot on, Joe. They have to they have to look at this Italian game as a as a must win. And if they can get over and get that win in two weeks, I think it could shift in how people are thinking. And I think those players will gain a bit a bit, a bit of confidence at times as well improved in a, a couple of areas scrum improved mall defence improved at times but for international six nations rugby probably not good enough Joe and we spoke about those 46 missed tackles mm. that stat alone is is something that would hurt any team you know because again and for people just keeping a, a very casual eye on it with all the rugby on it would sound ludicrous to say that the performance against France was better than the one against Wales but it genuinely was there were areas which were improved which you've mentioned and we should all take great encouragement from 19-year-old Dana O'Brien and her performance at out half, a problem position for Ireland. She started and she was genuinely very, very promising, has lots of tools. Uh, and so you can, you, and, and there was more aggression, as you mentioned, and, and the scrum and mall were better. But you, you list out all the issues with the performance on the other side of the ledger, the missed tackles, uh, the positioning in the backfield numerous times where uh, depending on your terminology but the pillar isn't there like basics for, for this level just weren't happening there's there's still so much to fix Fiona that's the that's the really worrying 
nagging thought at the back of your mind, even for Italy in two weeks' time. And I, I think the team are off for most of uh, the week coming up and then they'll they'll have a travel day. So I, I don't know. Um, is he... Is he is he going with too much inexperience, Greg McWilliams? Like Andy Farrell has kept picking a 37-year-old because it's right for tomorrow. And I, there's all it's all very well to build for the future. But I mean, you can also destroy a team. Yeah, and look, I, I'll be honest with you, Joe. Like I've 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 thought about this, and I'm tr- I'm trying to think who's available, and obviously a lot has got to do, especially maybe with a couple of the props and stuff that you could have kept on. That's probably out of Greg's hands because maybe they weren't offered contracts and, and uh, are enough money in contracts, and and decided then to to pack it in. But the only person that I would be questioning, I suppose, is Clean Maloney, and I know it's been talked about a lot. She's like, and and you can see it clear, I suppose, when there's someone the the sub hooker on the bench starts behind her in Exeter um, then you're you're saying it's not a form thing, and but other than that, I think he the coaching staff in particular they're picking with who's available, um, and you don't know the reason. I suppose he has for not picking Kleena. He hasn't come out and said that, um, uh, and they haven't. This you know we don't know is it for it can't be form on how she's playing. But other than that, I think he's at a kind of a, and I hate saying this word because it's international rugby, but at a rebuilding stage, yeah. and unfortunate as it is. The, it, we just haven't played, we haven't looked after the game in Ireland for the last maybe 10 years and now we're starting to see how clearly we are behind. So the people that are stepping up, be it they're the best players in Ireland, but probably just not at the level that everyone else playing the Six Nations is at at the moment. And we hope to build those players to be super competitive as we go on. But we're just exactly seeing the last 10 years product and we're seeing it here today. And those poor players are the ones that are out there putting everything into the games, but just mm. probably haven't had that coach and, and are young and inexperienced. Just not a level playing field, really, is it for them? Like when you think of... Uh how much more, more powerful Wales were, all their players playing full-time professional rugby in the Premiership. The fact that yeah. they went to the World Cup, so they've got a much more settled team. This is a new Irish team. All their rivals went to the World Cup and have pretty much carried on rather than started to rebuild. Um, the discrepancy whenever they played France in recent years in athleticism and speed um, is quite extraordinary. It's, 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 just like a, it's just very difficult to cope with. It's not a level playing field. And they're coming up against an Italian team in Pisa uh, that, you know, in their first game at home, they were within three points of France going into the last 10 minutes. You know what I mean? And I know they got obliterated by England, but like everybody gets obliterated yeah, yeah. by they're England. They're a good team, World Cup quarterfinal. Absolutely. Yeah. And every single one of their team has a minimum of 12 caps that started out that first game against France. So yeah. they're a much more settled side as well. And and, and they're at home. And we know what they're talking oh, like, like at home. It, like it's, it's just, your big favourites for that game. Yeah. This isn't right. oh, Ireland. This is a chance for Ireland no. to go over and steady the ship. Because this is like Ireland might be able to throw a punch here. Because Wales weren't big favourites in round one. There was a narrative around this could be a very competitive game, and yeah. Ireland oh Wales won for last year, and so forth and so on. Oh, which they've, they've galloped into the distance yep, now. Yep, yep. And then there's Scotland, who have looked better, and certainly were beaten by less than Wales than Ireland were, and you know the, a lot of their players are in Premier Fifteen as well. Like we were <laughs> this. Grim state of affairs. I can see Fiona puffing at her cheeks there. We were chatting in um, in the Virgin studio yesterday during England-Italy, Fiona, and we were trying to remember when's the last wooden spoon Ireland won because I keep saying won a wooden spoon. It's the not the right terminology. <laughs> uh, but that's that's very much on the cards here, a wooden spoon, which is the last thing this group need. But that that's where, about where they are, Fiona. 
Yeah, look, I think I think we came up with 2004, Joe. So it's 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 a, a long time ago, and you know these players um, are coming out fighting, and and they're saying, look, we we believe in them in ourselves, and 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 I've talked to a few of them, and they're a hundred percent focused, and. I think the the positive is that they know that they probably haven't played as best as they can. Mm. Um, they just have to get that. So you're talking about Italy. I, I think I agree. That is a, a much harder fixture we saw than Scotland. But Joe, you're on the money. Scotland Wales this weekend when I watched it back, like it was so close for most of the game. I thought Scotland have changed their style as well in the last year. I think a lot of the girls, as you said, are playing Premiership rugby, but they their backline attack, um, their ten in particular is is not afraid to to any kind of uh, dinking over. And we talked about Dana O'Brien and she will get better and she's, she's really good. But this 10 for Scotland has played in the premiership. She's got a load of caps for her country. And she, I suppose, as you said, Scotland are more of a settled ship as well. Mm. So it's... Uh, yeah, I just... I mean, you probably asked, already spoken about this, Fiona. I've written about this before and, and I accept Fiona Coughlin's point that you need cohesion in a team and therefore you can't be dipping into the sevens players and back in and out. But there's no doubt that players like Stacey Fudd would improve mm-hmm. the team. And I get it because like, there was only sevens, there was only sevens last week. So like, you know, it would be in yeah. and out and that would ruin cohesion and all the rest of it. But, and I get it that it's Olympic Council money, uh, Olympic Council money that's driving the sevens investment and mm-hmm. it would be a great achievement for the girls and, and the men's team to get to the Olympics. But it's only on a streaming service. It's not... um. It's not getting the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of viewers which Six Nations women's rugby oh, gets. Yeah. Um, it's the flagship. The 15 side game is much, the Six Nations particularly is much more the flagship. I just wonder about the priority. That's all. Yeah, and look, and I agree with you. And look, the, the Sevens girls, I suppose, um, came in. It's kind of a different way. And especially this group in particular, they came into that program. A lot of them as, not all of them now, as just Sevens players. That's yeah. how they were seen. And, you know, that probably wouldn't happen in the men's uh, side of things because they they might, they'll move on, especially the backs in some teams will be pushed up to that Sevens if, if they're not getting game time at other provinces. But it's kind of different. And this group in particular are very focused on making the Olympics and it would be absolutely immense for them but I, I think it's the IRFU that need to kind of look at that and as you said there's a far greater audience I mean you're talking about Stephen Flood Eve Higgins is another player who would have made a huge difference yeah. um, because Enya Breen's injury was massive for the team she's like even Vicky Irwin in at 12 you know she's played 13 over in the in in uh, England for a while and they, there was just uh, something really lacking a bit of punch in the midfield yeah. and it, that's not her fault she played really well at times you know she she just hasn't been used to playing with the girls around her and the likes of Eve Higgins and I suppose with these sevens players Jerry is that they've been training together um, be it sevens fifteens for the last years they're professional for a long time so they would probably slot in a little bit more easier because they've been up in camp they would have dealt with Greg I think they're it's the same kind of coach and stuff that's going on there they're all in together so I, I think that you know while they're not available if, if at times we could get them in there 100% it's it's looking at that but when you talk to the sevens players about you know oh more people are interested in fifteens they, they definitely don't like hearing that and and, you know, I suppose they're focused on, on their goal of the Olympics. Uh, yeah, and, and like human beings what they are being what they are, Fiona, as as a final thought, isn't there and, and wasn't there just a reality that that sevens in you come, out you go, that was not a, a good dynamic for team spirit. Like 
It just wasn't. No. I mean, and, and you've certain players been told, oh, you know, we believe in you, you're great. And then sevens players in, you're kicked to the curb and then back you come in three weeks later and, and you're trying to mishmash two different teams. Like, that didn't work. You would have experienced that. that I, I don't know if that's the right route. No, that definitely didn't work. And it's it's happened down the line for, for quite a time. I think since maybe 2015, we first saw it. And there, there definitely is a bit of tension built there. And earlier on, it's different now. But in the early days, you know, these people were contracted. Everyone else wasn't. You were heading away. And, uh, and these people were going back into camp and staying there for the week. So it definitely doesn't mix. And, you know, the narrative around it is... Um, there isn't very many teams that can do that, that that have their that are able to mix the sevens and fifteens in the midst of a competition. I'm not saying that as a player you can't come in and out, but in two specialised different games, and um, it's it's just about setting the players up and having the best squad out there. And some of these seven players obviously would walk into an Irish backline, but morale when they head off, and we saw it last year's in the Six Nations as well. You have someone just coming in then, yeah. and you're dropped and. And they're gone again. So it, it isn't the way forward. And I think that's the huge thing. And whenever I'm out, Joe, not to be going on about it, but if I'm ever out and anyone's ever having a conversation, the first thing they'll ever talk to me about is where the Sevens players playing? Because they saw them last year and they were very good in the games. But I think they are a few and they, they just need to come up with a system that, you know, makes everyone blend together in a correct way because morale and team spirit is definitely something that has to be high up in the list and keeping all players happy. Okay. Well, we'll see how they go against Italy. That could uh, lift our moods uh, massively if they go well. We're pretty much out of time. Rugby and off the ball with thanks to Vodafone, proud supporter of the Irish women's rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Fiona Hayes, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And Jerry Thorny of the Irish Times. Thank you, Jerry. Pleasure. Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.